CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we look at all the things that God's Word offers us as believers and where the world is headed. And uh, we just want to encourage you to give us a call. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand. Someone's asked you a question. That's why we're here each and every weekday afternoon to give you what the Bible really says on that topic. Not just a bit or a piece of a verse, but what does the Bible really say on that? 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, comes on one hour before to every man and answer, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South OC. Hi and welcome. Mike, great to be here with you today. So excited to uh, be able to sit in with you and visit with some listeners and answer some questions and looking forward to what uh, the Lord has for us on the program today. The world's gone crazy. I'm so glad our names are written in, in heaven. Aren't you? Amen. Oh man, I tell you, that's, I, I find great comfort in the fact that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He's still seated on the throne. And uh, boy, that's where I, I find my strength and my comfort knowing that. Always faithful. And that's one of the things that through a Christian life that we're going to find is that God's always faithful. You know, we all go through trials. We all go through things that we don't understand. Um, but you think back on how many times God always got you through, how many times God has always dealt with your enemies, how many times God has always provided every single thing that we need for life and godliness. We can trust Him with our future. But most of all, we can trust Him with today. And I think that's so important in the days that we live. So again, our number, 8888-ASK-CSN. we got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. And John Curley, what are you teaching there at Calvary Chapel South OC, which is right by San Clemente? Yeah, we are located right in the heart of San Clemente. And uh, hey, if any of our listeners, you ever out in Southern California, we'd love to see you come through. Um, on Sunday mornings, we are presently still in the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been making our way through and getting closer to the cross, Mike. And then on um, Wednesday nights, we are presently in um, the Old Testament in Second Samuel. We are probably this Wednesday going to wrap up our study in Second Samuel as David is passing on and he'll say his final words. And so it's been kind of that balance of Old and New Testament. I think it's good. Sometimes people, you know, in teaching through the Old Testament, Mike, and I know you know this for uh, as well, I'm amazed at how many people said, I didn't even know who Absalom was, or I didn't know about this. And you know, yeah, it's that yeah. not a lot of people actually teach through the Old Testament in churches today. And so it's a blessing to do that and find the practical applications there. Yeah, Jesus said, search the scriptures, speaking of the Old Testament, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. Yeah, so if you want to know more about who Jesus is, well, the Old Testament reveals all those things. So important in the days that we live. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Jeff on the line, Gillette, Wyoming. Hi and welcome. Hello. 
Hi, Jeff. How may thank we you help? Guys for your, well, thank you guys for doing what you do. Uh, God thank you, you for calling back, by uh, the way. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, I got a question. Uh, how do I get the manuscripts or the Hebrew and Greek to uh, to prove that the Watchtower or the Jehovah Witnesses are wrong? Well, first of all, you have the Strong's Concordance, which works really well. And then there's other texts as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not sure about the, you're, I'm, I'm assuming, Jeff, you're referring to, let's say, when they, in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was a God. When actually it says in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Um, I mean, if you, I, I'm not sure how you'd get the original manuscripts. But well, think, Greek lexicon, of course. Yeah, exactly. There's Bible programs that you could use to prove that. Um, and just do a little bit of digging on, on the Jehovah's Witnesses. But when it comes to, I'm curious, Jeff, are you dialoguing with them? Are you in a conversation? Are they asking you? Are you sharing with them? Are you looking to evangelize uh, those who are Jehovah's Witnesses? I'm trying to save a life. My okay. my wife is a Jehovah, a Jehovah Witness, and I'm a Christian. Oh, so, oh, my it's, God. Uh, it, oh, oh, yeah, that's that's the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with. And I keep praying, but but uh, the more, you, you know, if we if we don't do our part, uh, and expect God to do it all. I think I, I think that's foolish. Right. Well, yes, and yeah. and one of the things, real quick, there's a great website you can go to on how to witness the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, Christy Harvey actually uh, sat in their services, researched the stuff right alongside of them, being a Christian, to really understand their mindset, where they're coming from. And you can find how to witness to a Jehovah's Witnesses, plus where the New World Version has really veered off. Now, remember, in 2013, the Jehovah's Witnesses completely rewrote their New World Translation. 2012 was uh, up to 2012, and they had many revisions down through the years. But 2013, it has 10% less words than the 2012 version. Now, if Jesus said, and he does, if we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, yet you eliminate 10% of those words, this creates some real issues. And so uh, understanding that they say, well, we've taken out a lot of the Texas Receptus, and we just went with uh, the Alexandrian text. That's not their call to be doing that kind of thing. And so this is where the problem come in. But if you want to know more, the best website, and it's free, it's the number four, just four witness, W-I-T-N-E-S-S, fourwitness.org, four witness org, And that's going to be, Jeff, one of your greatest resources, because lovingly, uh, Christy reaches out to the Jehovah's Witnesses and explain to them how their leadership has really tampered with the Bible. And in the oldest manuscripts, going back, the book of Isaiah, for instance, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, he was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. Uh, when we understand really the Jesus of the Old Testament, no wonder Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am in John 8, 58. And they picked up stones to stone him in John 8, 59, because they realized Jesus was claiming to be God. He wasn't claiming to be Michael the archangel, as the Jehovah's Witnesses say Jesus is. But Jesus has always been. 
In the beginning, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. He wasn't speaking to the angels. Angels are never a procreative force in the Bible. Only God creates. And interestingly enough, God made us in his image. We can create too. But the Bible never says the angels were created in the image of God, interestingly enough. And so I really believe that if you go to that website again, the number four, fourwitness.org, it has rich resources for you to be able to reach out to your family. Jeff, I'm sorry to interrupt. Didn't mean to do that, but I was afraid I might forget what I was going to say. Oh, I think that's great insight. And boy, Jeff, we'll be praying for um, that situation in your home. And that, you know, I think the main thing when it, as it relates to Jehovah's Witnesses, what they say about Jesus. And um, and I think that's, the, uh, and other things as well. But boy, um, I appreciate you being so transparent and sharing with us about that in your home. And I'll just pray that that God would do a work of salvation and open the eyes of, of your wife and just let her see um, the truth. And that, uh, what a blessing it would be to have both of you on that same page as husband and wife. And, um, man, I'd love to lift, lift that up in prayer, Mike, if I could. Well, yeah, go ahead. That God would give him the right words yeah. to speak to his wife and that God would bind Satan from her mind that she would see the great offer that Jesus gives her that you don't have to earn your way to heaven, but that it's a free gift of eternal life. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you so much that, Lord, your word says the truth will set us free, Lord, if we know it. And I just pray for our brother Jeff. Thank you for his uh, question today. And I just pray that, Lord, your scriptures would come alive and you would open up uh, his wife's heart, Lord, in the truest sense to know who Jesus is, that he is God as he claimed to be. And, Lord, for uh, for salvation to come to that home, Lord. And so we thank you for our brother and we pray you strengthen him as he does his best, as he said, to save a life. But you're the one that saves, so we commit him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope that helps. And uh, we'll be praying yep. for you. Thank you. So um, uh, anyway, uh, stay on the line. I want to send you out some books, some DVDs, I think will be really encouraging to you and to her. And um, I think uh, I think it may, may touch her heart in a very unique way. Stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Richard, Newport, Washington. Hi, welcome. How you doing? Good. How may um, we help? We're here. I know yeah, these preachers say Peter's crucified upside down, but the Bible's silent on it. Yeah, that comes out up from from uh, uh, the writings, I believe, of Josephus. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it, we do know for a fact that Peter was. Uh, it seems to indicate he was crucified. In John chapter 21, verse 18, you may recall that Jesus said to Peter, predicted to him, uh, prophesied really, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And um, it, it was believed that, that that is what the reference was, that that Peter would be actually crucified. It's actually church history that talks about the, the fact that where it doesn't say Richard specifically in the Bible, Peter was crucified upside down, but that um, church history seems to emphasize that that was the reason uh, why you hear, maybe you hear pastors say, listen, it's believed or church history says that Peter was crucified upside down. I don't know that they say it dogmatically. I, I never have, but I've more said it like it's believed that he was, we know that he was crucified, but, but the, the inference of being crucified upside down was something that church history alludes to. 
And um, I, I think there's a lot of times when you're teaching through the Bible, Mike, and and you'll say what Scripture says, and you might make a mention of church history suggests or the early church yes. fathers said. And, and, tradition. Know, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not saying. Yeah, traditionally speaking, you're not being dogmatic, but it does. It, it is. It's something to think about. And um, so I think that's probably where it comes from, Richard. So I, I go ahead. When when people go to get crucified back then, those guys were savages that crucified people. And they didn't say, "How would you like the crucifixion today?" They all, they, I think everybody's crucified right side up because you die from suffocation. Right. And I don't think they would have crucified anybody upside down because they don't ask you, "How would you like the crucifixion today?" You know, they were barbarians. You know, the guys that crucified people. Yeah, so so we can't prove that absolutely for sure. I I have told people that that uh, Jesus uh, that uh, Peter was most likely crucified upside down. It seems that many of the early letters of the church fathers seem to indicate that going back to uh 90 to 180 uh, uh 180 AD back to 90 uh that was circulated uh within the church that's where it came from. And uh, so I hope that answers it for you. All I know is that the Bible's silent. I remain silent, you know? I think that's wise. I've always yeah. told people not to add to God's Word, uh, and we want to be careful to, to uh, obey that. You know, you know, Peter um, and others in the Bible were always, uh, were always those to teach what the Word of God said and teach what becomes sound doctrine. And if somebody says, prove it, and you can't, don't teach it. Like people say, well, there's the gap theory between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And there was a whole creation here, cavemen, cave women, Neanderthal, chocolateites. No, not in the Bible, made up. And if somebody asks you to prove it, you can't, so don't teach it. I just tell people, teach what becomes sound doctrine. You're going to be so much better off. I hope that helps. Oh, it helps a lot because, you know, God created me in six little days. But- That's what it says. And and also fortified in Exodus 20, where it said God made the earth in six days, on seventh he rested. And the word there for days in probably the most holy of the Torah is the Ten Commandments in chapter 20 of Exodus, uh, says that God made this earth in six days, and on the seventh he rested. The word for days there is the word yom, which means a 24-hour period. It does not mean eons. Well, you know, the Bible says a day is is a thousand years and a thousand. That is taking the Scripture out of context, because when we go to context, whether in Genesis, um, the first couple of chapters of Genesis, or whether we go to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, you find very clearly that God made this earth in six days and rested on the seventh. What's hard for God? You know, it's really interesting. The first physical miracle that Jesus did here on this earth was that he turned the water to wine. I think that's very significant. I know there's churches and denominations. Was the wine alcoholic? Was it not? They're missing the point. The point is Jesus took something new and made it appear to be old. 
And I believe that God, when he formed this earth, formed it fully formed, fully aged, whatever it is, what was ever necessary for us today. Now, we know the earth changed after the flood. A guy named Peleg was named that when the earth broke apart. And very possibly this is where the continental drift and the tectonics plates shoved the mountains up extremely high as we find around the world. That's what I personally believe. And even now today, they say that New York drifts from Paris, France, about, or I think in London or Paris, either one, on the same plate on, on the, on the uh, European plate, uh, about two inches a year. And so the idea when the earth broke apart, as the book of Genesis says, I believe is very real. And so I don't think it was hard for God to create the earth fully formed, just as he took water and made it appear to be age. Because the guests said, you have saved the best for last. And I think that's very, very important that Jesus can take something new and make it appear to be fully mature. Any last thoughts on that, John? No, I agree. I, I I love that insight that you're making. And and again, I would agree with uh, Richard that it, it's good as a Bible teacher, as a believer, that if you come across a passage or or you you come up, somebody has an idea about a passage where it doesn't dogmatically say that, that you're careful not to say that, but you let the Bible speak for itself. And where the Bible is silent, then we remain silent. And I think that's a that's a good way to study the Word of God. Amen. Hope that helps, Richard. Oh, I just want to say one more thing, please. Hello? We're here, buddy. When I was a little kid, this is before I even knew God, my dad had one of those big Graham McNally Alice's, and I opened it up. I looked at the earth, and I said, that's like a puzzle, because Africa looked like it fit right into South America, because it was one landmass until the flood happened. And then when it deep burst open, that should spread the continents apart. Yeah, I, I, I think everybody's noticed that, and... Um, it's very clear that, that this is what is called the continental drift. It has happened. It still continues to happen. And, um, this is a little caveat. What I think is amazing is what the evolutionary, uh, religion teaches that it took billions and billions of years for this to happen. The Bible says it happened in a short amount of time. Well, when we get into Revelation chapter 6, where the Bible says every mountain and island moves out of its place, speaking of massive tectonic plate movement again, the Bible says this all happens in just the first part of the tribulation period. I I, I really think it's interesting what this world is going to look like. Now, it's interesting the people on the earth and the last part of Revelation 6, they say, fall on us mountains and rocks and hide us for the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. Well, why weren't they in houses? Well, maybe the tectonic plates movement, maybe earthquakes of magnitudes of, of instead of 7.5 or 4.9 are 30.7. Some incredible amount. I can understand why they're not in their houses. Because they're probably knocked down. Just something to think about. Hope that helps, Richard. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy sharing with your friends and your families. And again, I don't think it's too late to say this. Happy New Year to you. Let's go to Donna, Salt Lake City, Utah. Hi, welcome. 
Hi. Um, Hi, how may we help? Close to me, someone close to me left the faith about five years ago. And um, he was in a deep depression at that time. And he said that he had called out to God and didn't feel that God was there for him. And But in talking to him, he said he had never experienced God in his life. He had actually made a profession of faith about 20 years ago. But the thing of it is, I can clearly see the hand of God in his life these past few years. I mean, things have happened providentially that it has to be God, but he can't see that. And as a result, he's walked away from the faith. I was wondering, what what can I do? Is there anything that well, I Well, I'm so do? glad you're concerned for his heart. And certainly prayer changes a lot of things. John, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, um, Donna, I also have uh, friends like that. And I think probably a lot of our listeners today um, share that same concern that you have. You know, the Bible talks about in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that there are those whose minds that the God of this age has blinded, who don't believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. We see that all the time. What do you do when you have somebody who's a friend who is walked away? Or as you mentioned, they profess faith and then they've now walked away from the Lord. Well, we do have a responsibility, one, as Pastor Mike said, to pray for them. That's where it starts. And there is power in prayer. Never think that that prayer somehow is, well, that's the last resort. I guess we can pray. No, there is there is such power in prayer. But another thing that, that if God gives you the opportunity is we go to that person. Galatians chapter six, verse one says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual seek to restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So I, I pray for them. I take their name to the throne of grace and say, God, open their eyes, Lord, bring them back. I, I've often prayed whatever it takes, Lord. And then I've also attempted to go to people. Sometimes they're not receptive to it. So I just keep praying and I trust God that nothing is impossible for him. He can get a hold of anybody he wants to. He can leave the 99 and go after the one. He can get a hold of your friend. And I think I would just keep praying for him that, that the Lord would uh, open his eyes. So I, I hope that, I hope that answers it for you. Yes. Could you pray for him, please? I, I yeah, what's his, what's his first name? To, Derek, when I try to talk to him, we get in arguments, and I don't want to do that, so I don't want to right. push him away. Well, I'll send you some, some videos that perhaps he could watch called God of Wonders. I think that would really be helpful to him. It is not a talking head. It is really scientifically evidence for God, and that God, as a matter of fact, if he— cares about the birds, how much more does he care about you? And so I'll, I'll send those out to you so uh, you guys can can watch that. Maybe maybe feed him some food and have him come over and watch that with you. But Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We lift up Donna's friend to you, and we just ask you, again, that you would bind Satan from his mind, and that the things he's blaming you for are really to be blamed on the God of this world, Satan. And so that you would give her the right words to say, that you would bind Satan from his mind, that he would see who you really are. And Lord, that you would deliver him from the lie that he's been living in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prayer for you, Donna, and for him. We'll see what God will do. Stay on line. We'll get those things out to you, okay? I want to mention something to John real quick. 
Um, I listened to his program today, and he was talking about the happy harness. And that <laughs> brought back memories. That My son, <laughs> I totally relate with that. Oh, my gosh, exactly. He would be, he's the one that would always take off anywhere you went. And we um, were supposed to go to a wedding, you know, go to the airport. I thought, there's no way that I can have him take off in the airport. So I uh, resorted to that harness, too, then. And I, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that, Donna. God bless you. And, uh, yeah, that's a great story. So stay the line, Donna. We'll we'll get you taken care of. And uh, God bless you. And just trust that God is going to give you all the right words to speak into his heart in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Please let us know how it comes out. We always like to hear praise reports. Mm. And let's go to Vinny, Oregon. And by the way, 8888 ask CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. And let's go to Vinny, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hey, hi. Um, hi, Pastor. How are you doing today? Good. How may we help? Uh, thank you. In advance, I really would like to apologize because my English is really basic, but I have a question for you. Um, so my question is about the word believe. In John 3.16, the Bible says that whoever believes in him. But if I read James, uh, 2.19, if I remember well, is that even even the, the demons believe. So my right. question is, is there like a, a word in the original language that is different for belief in James? And there's only one different for John? Uh, I, I mean, I, I understand. Yes, you're what, right. Vinny, you're absolutely right. The word in, in, in John 3.16, the word believe means like you are going to rappel down the side of a mountain. And you're tied on to this rope that these mountain climbers use. And you say, well, I believe in this rope. Now, you're not saying I believe it's a rope. You're, believe, you're saying I believe this is going to pull me up. In other words, it's not just acknowledgement, but that you're putting your faith, hope, trust, and life into that rope. That's what the word is in the book of John chapter 316, putting all your faith, trust, and hope in him. But where we get into the book of James, where it talks about the demons believe and tremble, that is the word acknowledgement. The devil acknowledges God. The demons acknowledge God, but that doesn't mean they're right with God. We're coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. And John, I want your thoughts right after this. We'll be right back. After taking the morning after pill, this mom immediately felt sick and nauseous as she tried to end her pregnancy. While searching for medical care, she found a pre-born network clinic where she hoped to rule out that she was pregnant. I had an ultrasound done right then and there. After hearing the baby's heartbeat, I instantly thanked God and said, may your will be done, Lord. I'm seven months pregnant now. I thank God every day for my little miracle. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing moms to the life growing inside of them and sharing the gospel in action. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she will choose life 80% of the time. And Preborn doesn't stop there. They offer mothers maternity clothes, doctor visits, and 
and the help they need to choose life. To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65 Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65 Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Welcome you back to part two of Jerry Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And when we went to the break, we were speaking about this difference between the word believe. John 3.16, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And yet we find the Bible also says that even the demons believe and tremble. Completely different word, isn't it, John? Yes. You know, when you go to that passage in James, for example, chapter two, verse 19, and James, if, if you read through that epistle, that letter, you know, that James is talking about in that context, faith and works. And now that it's faith that works, that works are evidence of your faith. It's not uh, works that save you, but the works are so often evidence of the fact that that you are saved. They go together, in other words. But there were those where James asked the question, you believe that there is one God? And James responds and said, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. In other words, genuine faith is more than just intellectual assent to something. Studying the idea of God or analyzing belief system is light years away from receiving the Lord Jesus Christ by authentic faith and then living out that faith with real actions. Listen, the demons uh, who work for the devil, they know there's one God. They know that Jesus Christ is God. You see that in the Gospels. You remember when Jesus was confronted by the man who was possessed there in Gadara. They said, have you come to torment us before the time? I mean, they knew who he was. And times they would try to confess him and Jesus would tell them to be silent. In other words, it's not enough to just say, I believe in God. Because even the demons do. It's demonic faith, if you could, if you could say it that way. No, we need a saving faith, which as Mike mentioned in the first part, is trusting in God for salvation. The Bible says that if you're going to come to God, no one can come to God without faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And everybody that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And so there is a difference, Vinny, between the believing faith and salvation and just a acknowledgement that there is a God. And Mike, this is really important because people's eternal destiny hangs in the balance of that. Do you actually believe 
and have a relationship with Jesus, or you just acknowledge a historical fact or a person named Jesus? So I hope that answers it for you. I think, yeah, we think it might have got disconnected. There, okay, Mike. I think we lost. Good question, yeah, but I, well, I hope that I hope that answers it for you. And again, God bless you. Thank you so much for the call. And uh, let's go to Sue in Oregon. Hi and welcome. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. How may we help? Um, I have a, a three-part question. Um, in Genesis, where Joseph um, is putting the silver, his silver cup into his yes. brother's sack, it mm-hmm. says that he used that silver cup for divination. And then in, when Moses held up the serpent and healed the people, and then through the Amplified Bible, it says that it was astrologers that um, went to see Jesus, the, the, talking about the Magi. That's all occultic. That really confused me. Why would a man of God like Joseph be into the occult, which is divination? Well, he, he, he wasn't, and where it talks about the Magi, the wise men that came from the East. Now, again, very quickly, we always find the three wise men. The Bible does not say three wise men. It says they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but there could have been as many as 20 or more wise men that came. We don't know the number of how many wise men came. They presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. Gold, which you would give a king. Frankincense, which you would give to a priest. And myrrh is for really embalming. And so the, the, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And no doubt Joseph used the gold to take baby Jesus, warned in a dream that Herod would seek the life of the young one, to Egypt until Herod was dead. So God always provides, and there we find another clear example how the father even provided for Joseph and Jesus and Mary to get into Egypt where they would be protected. Now, when we come to the idea of them being astrologers, it is no doubt that they looked at the stars, because if you go to Daniel chapter 9, it talks about the prophecies concerning the nation of Israel. And because of the things that were outlined there almost to the day, 143,880 days from the time that Artaxerxes gave the command to go restore and rebuild the city of Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, would be that 183,680 days. So they would know then to be looking for somebody around um, 30 years, um, uh, you know, that this person that would be born. So not so much astrology, but so much more of prophecy in that Daniel not only was a, a uh, you might say, a missionary to the people of Israel, but also to those in the Babylonian Empire and those beyond. And even today, even him saying that there's a remaining seven-year period of time in which God will deal with the nation of Israel and judge the world. This we know as the tribulation period. So, understanding that, these people who studied the stars, when they saw this unusual configuration, 
knowing what Daniel in the Old Testament had already said about the coming of the Jewish Messiah, I believe they recognized this sign in the stars, not again based on astrology, but based upon the time in which Daniel said Messiah would come. When Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, he paused as he looked there on that Palm Sunday. He wept over the city. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have come and gathered you, but you would not. It was their day of salvation. It was their day. And exactly 183,880 days to the day from when Artaxerxes gave the command to go restore the city of Jerusalem to Palm Sunday, that April day in 32 AD, when Jesus made his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem, it was their day of salvation. Interestingly, Jesus said, though, it is hid from your eyes. Why? Well, first of all, the Pharisees didn't really know God. They knew about God, but they had often say to Jesus, our father Abraham taught us, or Moses said, not what we believe about God. You know, you really can't borrow your relationship from your parents, from your race, from anything else. That's why the Bible talks about it being a personal relationship with God. So we find that they knew about this particular time. Now, we find other places in the Bible where people in the Bible were mentioned. The household gods that that Rachel hid under her dress that she taken from Laban. Interesting there as well that as they came and and uh, they would use these idols for divining, uh, Rachel had taken them. Your thoughts? Well, I um, I also Sue right now I'm reading back through the Book of Genesis, going through the Bible um, this year, and I find myself coming into the the story of Joseph as well. But when you read that story and you get there to Genesis chapter 44, remember that Joseph. Um, using the quote divining cup. This was actually part of the test for his brothers. You remember that his brothers had sold him into slavery and then eventually worked for Potiphar and then he ended up in prison. And then he was elevated to the second most powerful ruler uh, there in Egypt. And so when his brothers came back before him during the famine and he recognized them, he had to find out if they were actually um, telling the truth. And so what he did is he put them to the test. They didn't recognize him. And so he used this divining cup that all Egyptian nobility would have had, and he placed it in a bag. And it was really a setup. It doesn't say that Joseph actually used divination. He, he was, it was almost like a setup to test his brothers. Didn't you know that I would, I would use that cup? How could you take it? And, and basically he was drawing out whether or not um, they would sell one of their brothers out like they did so many years earlier with Joseph. And so this was, I believe, more than more than Joseph using divination or some kind of a occultic practice of the Egyptians. I believe that Joseph was simply testing his brothers. They didn't know who he was, and so um, I think that's really the the purpose of that. Th- those cups were common in the Egyptian courts uh, of the day, and so uh, more of a setup than than something that he practiced personally. The Bible doesn't say he uh, necessarily engaged in divination, but it was almost again trying to find out what the real motive was behind those crooked brothers of his, see if they had changed. Yeah, a better word would be a testing cup. 
mm. um, because he had put that in his brother's grain uh, to see what they would do. And so um, I hope that helps. Um, yeah, it did. And then also the last one was um, when um, God had struck the Israelites in the um, desert and with the snake bites. And then Moses held up the, the serpent on the stick. And then later on, it said that they started worshiping the serpent. Why would they use a serpent, which to me symbolizes Satan, to heal them? Exact Boy, you're, you've been reading your Bible. You see, first of all, the Bible says, and it's really interesting, if you go into the original language, it says that God sent upon the people flying, fiery serpents, and they bit the people. Now, I don't know what a flying, fiery serpent is, but, you know, wham, and they, they'd get bit, and they began to die. And they went to Moses, and they said, Moses, we think God's really bummed with us. Uh, would you intervene here in some way? Ask God to. And so God instructed Moses to make a brass serpent, put it on a pole, which, by the way, is still used to this day in the American, I believe, Medical Association. They have that serpent on a pole that whoever was bitten, if they would look upon the serpent on the pole, would be healed. Now, first of all, brass is the is the metal of judgment in the Bible. The snake represents sin. And I believe the reason they had to look at the serpent was God's judgment of sin upon the people. You know, today there's a lot of people who want to come to Christ, but they won't look at their sin. They won't repent from their sin. And so when they look at the very thing that has been biting them, I believe in a lot of people, interesting, evidently in the Bible, I'm not going to look at that stupid thing. They died. But if they would look upon the serpent, when the serpents bit them, they would live. So it's not divining, but what it is, is it's a representative. And the Bible says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Jesus became our sin on the cross. Absolutely an astounding parallel that Jesus was lifted up for our sin, and that sin died there on the cross. The blood was shed. The sin was forgiven. And so we find that very thing. Jesus became our sin on the cross for every one of us. And again, the old saying goes, nails didn't hold Jesus to the cross. Love did. And I believe that. Your thoughts? Yes, I, I would agree with, with Mike that, you know, there, you mentioned it, Sue, in, uh, second Kings chapter 18. It was when Hezekiah was actually the king and they still had that, uh, brass serpent, uh, among the people and people were burning incense to it. It became we're worshiping it. Yeah. And so Hezekiah took it and he smashed it. He got rid of it. He called it Nehushtan, uh, there in second Kings. He destroyed it. However, as, as Mike mentioned, John chapter three, verse 14, Jesus, meeting with Nicodemus, asking about how he could be born again. Jesus tells Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent there in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. And of course, Jesus would go on to say, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. So it's amazing that that was actually a picture 
a type, if you would, of the judgment, as Mike said, where Jesus would take our judgment, our punishment, our sin upon himself there on the cross. A beautiful Old Testament picture fulfilled ultimately in the person of Christ. So great questions today, Sue. Yeah, and and Nehushtan, he, he, he said Nehushtan, and he took it and he broke it into pieces. The word Nehushtan in the Hebrew means thing of brass. It's just a chunk of brass, and you're worshiping it. The idolatry in Israel was so bad that with one piece of wood, they would go out in the forest and get a piece of wood. They would cut cook their beans with the wood as they'd cut it up and put it in a little fire. And the other piece of wood, they would carve it and make it an idol and worship it. God's saying, you, you guys are loony. Why would you do that? One piece of the wood, you cook your beans. The other half, you worship. It shows you how foolish people will be when they get into idolatry. Oh, well, I'm so glad in the 21st century we're not into idols. Oh, really? Really? What about the uh, good luck charms people do? Well, I wear my undergarments and they protect me. Nahushtan. Well, you know, I, I, I have my lucky rabbit's foot. Well, remember, it wasn't lucky for the rabbit. What about, well, I, I, I've got my crystal around my neck, and that gives me power. No, Hushtan. People will worship anything, and by nature. If you want to know what's wrong with humans, everybody, you go to college and you study Freud and Jung and all these others, uh, psychobabble. If you want to know what's wrong with human nature, the Ten Commandments tells you it all. By nature, by nature, we want to worship something, and by nature, we're idolaters. We'll worship a career. We'll worship uh, our our goals in life. And what's so unfortunate is there's many churches today that say, "Come to Christ and realize your dream." Friends, that is not the gospel. That is just Satanism. That's that's the occult with a little Jesus thrown in. We come to the cross. We come to Christ and die. No longer I live, Paul says, but Christ that lives within me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what a true Christian says. It isn't, well, I slipped Jesus in my pocket, and baby, I've climbed to the top. No, that is not Christianity. That's modified occult. Yes, that's what it is. You can believe a little Jesus and have it your way, baby. That is not Christianity. And we need to understand this lie has worked its way into the church, unfortunately, in almost every facet. And we need to be aware of it because no longer I live, Christ that lives within me. That's what's important. Sue, I hope that helps. It sure did. Thank you so much. And you guys have a very blessed day. You too, Stan Line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And let's go to Sean in Utah. Hi and welcome. Howdy, friends. Um, first things first, I just want to praise God that you guys are doing this and letting him work through you. Thank you, guys. God's good. Hell yes, sir. How can we help? Um, so my question is, I have a family member that's done a lot of things uh to me and my siblings that really wasn't cool <laughs> but you know i've uh i've forgiven her and um it, every time i go to talk to her about 
like, hey, you know, how can we work this out? You know, I want you to be part of my life, my kid's life. It starts a fight, and I'm just, I, you know, I walk away. <laughs> but as, you know, as a Christian, I want to I want to forgive her, and I want her to be, uh, uh, you know, part of our family still. You know, I don't want to, my siblings have completely pushed her away, and I don't, I don't want any of that, right? But um, I guess, what's your opinion on that? John, your thoughts? Well, the Bible says, as much as is within you, live peaceably with all men, Sean. And and I think um, forgiving somebody and actually reconciling sometimes can be two different things. It's possible to forgive someone because we're supposed to. Jesus has forgiven us, and therefore we are encouraged to forgive. Sometimes people ask for our forgiveness. Sometimes they don't. But I still have a responsibility in light of the fact that I've been forgiven to forgive others. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're seeking to do and have extended that forgiveness. And I, I think that's commendable and that's the right thing to do. That's honoring God. But you also have to have, it's kind of a two way street when it comes to, to being reconciled. There has to be an openness. You know, Amos chapter three, verse uh, three says, can two walk together unless they be in agreement? The answer to that question is no. Sometimes we're, we're not in agreement. We can't see eye to eye and it causes more problems. Maybe it's, it's a timing thing. Maybe, maybe reconciliation will be something down the road. Maybe God needs to do something more in their life or in your life. I'm not exactly sure, but I think the fact that you are open to it and you have left the door open for that is, um, says a lot about your walk with the Lord. And I will keep praying until the Lord makes an opportunity for there to be something more. And if there isn't, you, you can know that I, she is forgiven. I've forgiven her. But I, I'm not able to have a relationship with her because it's still um, dangerous maybe to me or to my family. And um, so I've set some boundaries there. But, you know, love hopes all things, endures all things. It never fails. The hope is is reconciliation. But the step of, of forgiveness is is a big part of it. And I think you've done that. I hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. And um, even though that person may not have asked you for forgiveness, we must always as Christians have the posture that we'll forgive them when they ask. And that doesn't mean I hold it against them because that'll only cause bitterness in your soul. But then you just got to give it to God. As Jesus said, when they were hammering spikes in his hands and his feet, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. And I believe that really, Honestly, when people really look at these problems that life presents itself, the animosities, the uh, the bitternesses and things like that, when you look at the whole picture of life, man, I'll tell you, I think a lot of people carry a lot of stuff to their grave that was just meaningless junk that just held them back. Remember, unforgiveness does not hurt them. It hurts us. And so we have to be willing to forgive them. And so, Sean, I hope that helps. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. God bless you, Sean. Stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and let's go to Kimberly, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Hi, pastors. Hi. How may we help? Um, I called in today. Um, I have um, been a follower of Jesus for basically since I can remember all 50 years of my life. Um, and my husband, um, he, he is not a believer and he is, he's very stubborn 
uh, on the subject. Um, you know, I, I, I don't push it on him because that, that doesn't, that's not going to get anywhere. Um, because it's not ultimately me that's going to be, uh, changing his heart or his mind about this, about the situation. Um, I mean, I, I pray for him all the time and so does my mom. And, um, I just, it breaks my heart to think of him, you know, being left behind when, you know, when the rapture happens, I'm out of here. I'm out of this place. And it breaks my heart to, um, to think of him here left behind, uh, just kind of dangling. And, you know, with, with what we know is going to happen, um, it, it, it's, it doesn't scare me, but it does break my heart. Um, and I find myself leaving him notes in my in my journal uh, about different things, and I take notes when I when I watch um, different uh, programs on online about different you know Bible teachings, and and when I listen to this radio program or or others on this station, I I find myself leaving him just pages and pages of notes to reference in the Bible that's going to be left behind that I've left notes in that as well. And I just, I mean, I, I pray all the well, dear, time. It's very that... hard. It's very, very, uh, you know, Kimberly, it's very hard when we have people close to us that don't walk with the Lord. You go, why are you so blind? Why don't you see this? Uh, and I think that that is a real issue. Your thoughts, John? Well, first of all, um, Kimberly, I want to remind you, and I'm sure you know this, as you said, you've been a believer the majority of your life. Um, something that is, is, is important for us to remember in Luke 137, it says, first of all, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And that would include the salvation of your husband. So I would say, continue to pray, continue to lift him up, continue to live your life as a Christian before him. I also am reminded of the apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he says to those that are married to non-believers, he said, listen, how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? You don't know. You just keep living it out. And then also I would say 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, like in your case, they, without a word, will be won by the conduct of their wives. You just keep doing what you're doing. You keep praying. And remember this, God loves your husband, Kimberly, even more than you do and wants him to be saved. And so we just keep praying. God has ways of getting people's attention. He took the apostle Paul and put him face down to where he had to cry out to God. And that's what we'll be praying for your spouse. Amen. And uh, Kimberly, I want to send you some things that perhaps you can get your husband to watch. God of Wonders is really good because it's done like National Geographic. It's very logical. It's very sensible. It's not just wild. We'll just believe this because I said so. You'll really enjoy that. Maybe you can watch that with them. I'll send those out to you, Kimberly. And for Jackie and Chris, please call us. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. And John, thanks so much for being on today. This ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 3 Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 